This is the Affirm America podcast, where we stand up and speak out affirming American excellence. Coming to you deep in the heart of the Midwest, located in an undisclosed log cabin on the outskirts of town, your host, Marquis Vandemark. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Affirm America podcast on this Wednesday morning, September 21st, the first day of fall, 2022. We had a nice little thunderstorm that woke us up this morning. A little bit of rain, but it's blue skies right now. It's going to get up into the mid-80s. Summer hasn't disappeared yet, even though the calendar says it's fall. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Affirm America podcast. I'm your host, Marquise Vandemark. These are your top five headlines for this Wednesday morning. Let's start off with headline number five. Detransitioned 18-year-old speaks out against gender-affirming care. From the Daily Wire. An 18-year-old detransitioned woman gave a powerful testimony on Tuesday against the gender-affirming model of care that led to her irreversible medical transition as an adolescent. Chloe Cole spoke at a press conference in front of the White House in support of Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican from Georgia, new bill, the Protect Children's Innocence Act, that aims to shield minors from assessing the permanent body and life-altering medical treatments they may later come to regret. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Every American needs to hear Chloe Cole's story. What a courageous young woman. All right, let's hear Chloe Cole's story right now. Over the past decade, there has been as high as a 4,000% increase in children being referred to so-called gender clinics across the United States. I was one of these children. My name is Chloe Cole and I'm an 18-year-old former transgender child. I transitioned from the age of 12 up until 16 when I realized it all was a lie. My story is cautionary tale. Children and parents across the country have been caught off guard by gender ideology. Discussions about transgenderism and gender identity went from being a relatively benign social oddity to a doctrine that has invaded nearly every academic, medical, and educational institution seemingly overnight. How did we get to this point? How did we get to the point where nearly every pediatric institution in the country considers it best practice to remove the healthy breast tissue of children while administering drugs typically used to chemically castrate high-risk sex offenders? Raising these important questions is not bigoted, and the refusal of activists to give straightforward answers should be seen as a major red flag. People across the entire political spectrum who believe that this practice is morally wrong have been told that they are fascist or bigots for even questioning this atrocity. Others have been convinced by self-proclaimed gender specialists that this is the only treatment that will not end in your child committing suicide. I believe Americans deserve to know the truth about this radical and perverse ideology marketed as necessary and life-saving healthcare. I was only 12 years old when I told my parents that I was a boy. Like many parents in that situation, they didn't have a clue what to do. They were scared and desperate for answers. They wanted what every parent wants for their child, for me to be okay and thrive. At 13 years old, on the advice of so-called medical professionals, I was put on puberty-blocking medication. And only a month later, 
I was given my first testosterone injection. The gender clinic presented my parents with the, with the classic false dichotomy regarding children with gender dysphoria. Would you rather have a dead daughter or a living son? Given these options, what loving parent wouldn't choose to transition their child? Scared for my life, my parents were prepared to sign anything the doctors asked. This was not, that, this was not informed consent. It was a decision forced under extreme duress. At 15, I went under the knife for a radical double mastectomy, the kind that breast cancer patients get. This was after I was sexually assaulted at school by a male student. I, I just told myself to man up, but I lived my life in constant hatred of my breasts. I started binding, which deformed my breasts as well as my ribcage. I was afraid and I couldn't wait to finally protect my body from the threat of further molestation. At 16, I finally realized what happened to me and that I had made a huge mistake. I realized the beauty of motherhood was stolen from me by medical professionals who my family entrusted me to. I realized after maturing a bit more that a child does not in fact know who they are at 12 years old. I realized that I wanted to be what I always was and forever will be, a woman. With this realization came a series of challenges that were far worse than the transition. Somehow, I had to get myself off these drugs and tell everyone in my entire life that I was not who I said I was. My parents were shocked and felt like they failed me on every level imaginable. My friends all turned against me because I was evidence that their beliefs were a lie. I was a joke. I was a fraud. I was many years behind in development and capable of feeding, of, incapable of feeding my future children and worst of all, completely alone. Even the medical professionals who got me into this mess now have no idea what to do with me and they refused to help me. It almost killed me as it has killed many who regret transition. The big question still remains. I was a 12 year old introduced to the idea that they could do something as ridiculous as change their sex. I was and still am the type of kid that never really fit into social norms. I was a tomboy, I was shy, I didn't socialize easily. At 11, I made my first Instagram account. I had unmonitored internet access. It wasn't long until I was exposed to a ton of LGBTQ content online. And I, I had never seen anything like it. You mean that all I have to do is subscribe to this ideology and then I'm an accepted, celebrated, and valued member of the most talked about community on earth? Transgender people are the most celebrated subset of this community. I saw the un unbelievable amounts of praise and, and attention they got online and subconsciously I yearned to have a piece of it. With every milestone in my medical transition, I was given more and more attention and celebration. It was the ultimate high. Even in person, I got more attention. Girls would have crushes on me and I would have people come up to me in the hallways asking to make friends and it was, it was unprecedented to, for me. I felt like a celebrity. Being a kid, I, I didn't know just how superficial these relationships were until they all suddenly abandoned me just for struggling to become who I am. Much of this gender confusion is based on old regressive stereotypes of men and women, which are now being reinforced with hormones and surgeries. Women can have short hair and be interested in playing sports and partaking in physical activities. Men can grow their hair out and wear makeup. It does not change their, their, it does not change their biology. The truth is, this practice is harming more and more children every day. What will we do to protect this most vulnerable group? Up until now, the media has been parroting the same ideologically driven 
driven talking points. Affirm, affirm, affirm. The closest I've touched to mainstream media is a Forbes journalist who wrote a hit piece on me calling basic human biology transphobic. There are many detransitioners speaking out and they are ignored by the institutions most responsible for the search of truth. Up until today, most politicians on the left and right have done nothing but get into Twitter fights on this issue. There is no second chance at childhood, so we must do our best as adults to guide our children to pathways that lead to healthy bodies and minds instead of depression and disfigurement. No child deserves to suffer under the knife of a gender-affirming surgeon. America's children, all children, deserve better. Thank you. So this is a very heartbreaking story from this young lady at age 12, was trapped in the ideology of transgenderism and the medical profession, which is very much uh, responsible for these types of surgeries and this type of transitioning from one biology to another, to another gender. It's impossible. There's only a male and female, no matter what these people talk about. It's all based on your chromosomes. Without understanding that, then we're going to see more and more of this absurdity going on in the medical profession and the transgender issues. This is pure evil. It's pure misinformation. It's disruptive. It's intentional. And it has to stop. Those of you that have a concern about this need to check with your children's hospitals in your cities. There's a number of them that are offering this transgender uh, surgery, and uh, this needs to be made aware. Parents are not informed enough to understand what this is all about, and this young lady here shows you exactly how she was manipulated, and now she regrets. No child at age 12 or 16 or even 18 have any business following the direction from these radical medical professionals that think that this is the solution to their gender dysphoria. That's really what it is. It's more of a, a mental illness. And if these uh, children are let to mature and grow, a lot of them will grow out of this early stage transition of developing their character and personality. This uh, young lady is very brave. She, uh, her story needs to be spread far and wide. All right, headline number four. State Department to promote only woke diplomats in accordance with Biden executive order. From the National Review, members of America's diplomatic corps will now be expected to promote diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility principles, the State Department recently announced. An internal document obtained exclusively by National Review provides further details on how State Department officials must now promote and advance DEI principles to receive tenure and promotions. While that document details uncontroversial promotion criteria such as ensuring respective behavior in the workplace, the specific focus on DEI echoes the language of left-leaning activists. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken announced last week that the department had finalized its diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility strategic plan, which was mandated by a Biden executive order. Tom Fitton, the U.S. diplomats required to advance anti-American Marxist critical race theory to receive promotions. I mean, what can I say? Uh, the complete uh, government has gone off the rails. They're completely nuts. They're they're passing this crazy, woke BS bullshit. And we're, we're continuing to see more and more of this 
being promoted by this crazy Biden administration. We have uh, 50 days, 49 days till the midterms. Folks, if you're not, if your hair isn't on fire at this point, you need to get out and make sure you vote in the midterms. And we get these guys out of office because they, they're just wrecking everything they touch. They're completely the far left leaning administration ever, ever uh, administering the United States of America. Not sure where it's coming from. It's coming from um, evil forces, totalitarian manipulation through the universities over the past 50 years. And this ideology coming out of the universities and now in the governments, in our corporations, and now in our military needs to stop. So it's time to throw these guys out and get this nation back on track before we become a complete nuthouse. All right, headline number three. Stocks drop as Fed committee meets to discuss interest rate hike. CNBC, stocks tumbled on Tuesday as the sell-off on Wall Street mounted and investors braced for another large rate hike due out Wednesday from the Federal Reserve. The Federal Open Markets Committee began its two-day policy meeting on Tuesday, where central banks are expected to announce a 75 basis points percentage point rate hike on Wednesday. Stocks have slumped in recent weeks as comments from Fed Chair Jerome Powell and an unexpectedly hot August Consumer Price Index report caused traders to prepare for even higher rate hikes until inflation cools. USA Today, Ford fell 2.3% for the biggest decline in the S&P 500 after slashing its third quarter earnings forecast because a parts shortage will leave it with as many as 45,000 vehicles unfinished on its lots when the quarter ends September 30th. Last week, FedEx and General Electric warned investors about damage to their operations from inflation. Okay, so I've been warning you for some time now that uh, we're in big trouble with inflation. The uh, runaway spending, the run, runaway uh, printing of money has created a serious inflation problem. In fact, we're probably in a potential stagflation. That's where re, uh, recession and inflation come together at the same time which can be very, very detrimental to the American economy and the middle class. So these are signs here. The, the, you can see that uh, the Fed's trying to cool the inflation by raising interest rates. That means mortgages are going up. That means that everything that you try to purchase will cost more, credit cards, things like that. And at the same time, we're going to have slowing uh, economy. Businesses will slow. And at the same time, prices will rise. So we're in for some tough times, some dark times, and that's a direct result of the Biden administration. We've got 49 days until the midterms, and everybody needs to be mobilized to kick these guys out because they've completely destroyed the United States of America. All right, headline number two, poll. Abbott leads Beto O'Rourke by 11 points as Americans call border crisis an invasion. Guy Benson, Americans disapprove of the border mess, with most calling it an invasion. They trust Republicans to handle the issue better, but much of the most high-profile strain and difficulty has been borne by border states and communities, even as serious elements of the problem impact the entire country. Governors Abbott, Ducey, and now DeSantis are forcing Democrats to taste a small fraction of what their failing policies have been wrecking in their states for the better part of two years, successfully baiting these blue state officials 
and their journalist allies into volcanic responses. This has elevated the overall controversy, raising its profile and prominence during the final stretch of the election. And in Texas, at least, voters appear to be rewarding Abbott for forcing the issue. Interactive polls. Greg Abbott holds 11-point lead over Beto O'Rourke among likely voters in Texas governor race. Texas Governor Republic Greg Abbott, 50% plus 11. Democrat Beto O'Rourke, 39%. So this is very good news that uh, Texas is holding the Republican governorship. That Beto O'Rourke guy, that skateboard bum that wants to get rid of all guns and is just a a showboater. He's always all about him, about who he is, and he just has a bunch of radical ideas. He's not going to be good for Texas. He's not going to be good for the country. And uh, we need to see Governor Abbott remain in his position to fight back against the border issue. Again, midterms coming up. We need to hold all these seats. We need to kick out the majority of the Democrats and they're holding their positions because they are completely destroying the southern border and creating havoc all across the nation. 200,000 illegals cross the border in the month of August. All right, headline number one. Democrats rush to spin Biden's statement that the pandemic is over. Katie Pavlich. Democrats desperate to hold on to their emergency COVID-19 powers are hitting the airwaves to walk back comments made by President Joe Biden over the weekend that the pandemic is over. Tom Elliott, Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, contradicts Biden, says the pandemic is not over. We're losing about 400 people a day on average to this virus. We need to get that number lower. We have people who are struggling with long COVID. Fox News. In a Fox News interview Monday, Representative Ro Kahana, Democrat from California, offered a take. I think what the president was trying to say is that the worst of the pandemic is over, Kahana said pointing to those who suffer symptoms of what is referred to as long COVID, as well as people who are vulnerable and who have issues. Okay, so what is it, guys? Can you, can you make up your mind? Can you all get on the same page? Is the pandemic over? Is it not over? Why so much confusion in the, in the Biden White House? I think all of us feel that uh, the COVID virus has been overplayed. It's been really exaggerated. And uh, the fact that there's so much confusion created by the CDC and Fauci. I think the American people have no trust in the the lines coming out, the messaging coming out of the White House. It's created more confusion. And I think people realize that there's enough information out there that they can take responsibility for themselves. We don't need the government watching over our shoulders, telling us what we can and can't do, mandating vaccines, doing all the things that create nothing but more mistrust with our government because they want to maintain their control, their emergency powers. So enough already. Again, the, the best thing we can do is put the kibots on these guys, and we can do that in 49 days at the midterms. All right, those are your top five headlines for this Wednesday. Thanks for joining us on the Affirm America podcast. I'm your host, Marquise Vandermark. Have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless you. See you tomorrow. This is the Affirm America podcast with your host, Marquis Vandemark. And let's never forget, America is great and we affirm it.